Hey, sorry. Um, I'll wait for people to come back. Um, can people remind me what that guy's name was who was in the chat talking? Just type in the room chat if you remember. I want to call him back up. Yeah, so this new format's a little weird, so I accidentally... Oh, Roger, there we go. Yeah, Roger, uh, feel free to come back up. That was a mistake. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, so just unmute. If you, okay, great. Yeah, sorry about that. I had the room open in two places, so I tried to close it on my phone because it was making an echo, and somehow that closes it in both locations. Uh, I'm on the... I'm on the desktop, so yeah, I'm still learning this new beta testing of the video thing. So sorry about that, but yeah, please. No, no problem. And yeah, so um, I think I was saying to spin back to to, to kind of your original point. Um, I think Elon. Um, I you know I don't have no idea what he's like. I've, none of us know him. Everybody thinks they do, and. Uh, He's just a person at the end of the day. I mean, um, also, he's extremely rich, of course, but not, not um, realized in, in some sense because, of course, he has to um, cash out of all his um, um, stakes to, to actually um, realize that money. And if he did try and sell everything at once, he wouldn't be worth as much as he's on paper. But anyway, apart from that, so he, he's ended up buying this thing, I think, which... which isn't what it appears to be. So, you know, whether or not he can turn it into something that's uh, better than that or turn it back into what it used to be, when it used to be things like Usenet, um, when no one... And ironically, when it was Usenet, let's say, it, it it was the whole, you know, the whole chat and the whole consensus was carried on the back of government servers. We forget that. It was uh, state-owned equipment that was carrying all those free conversations back in in the uh, 80s and 90s. Um, and now we're, we're looking at private enterprise to save us. When we, we had it back then, but uh, um, obviously it was more difficult to, to, to access, let's say. Yeah, I mean, one thing that's interesting, if you read this book, by um i can't remember i'm forgetting his name right now but he was a guest on the podcast um but it was surveillance oh surveillance valley by um yasha levine and he talks all about how all this stuff started with government contracting and government stuff and it went private and there was this kind of evangelistic mode to it where people just thought uh, this kind of techno capitalism was going to create this weird utopia or whatever but in reality it just became this giant thing that's mainly funded by venture capitalist money, uh, no real profits. Like, if, well, if this company had to survive on normal profits and loss, it would um, evaporate overnight. It's just like the whole thing is just based on this idea of almost every single site. The whole thing is, can we get enough people to click ads all day long to um, – make it worth keeping this thing uh, running? And the answer is almost invariably no. And it's always just venture capitalists just making the difference on the hopes that someday these things will find um, a way to make 
money and the fact that they have so many eyeballs makes it hard to give up on. Like people are just like, okay, this thing hasn't made money in 12 years, but it's got millions of signups. We can't just throw it away. We got to keep throwing good money after bad. Somehow we're going to get these people to click ads all day to the point that it it ends up billions of dollars of revenue and it's only going to go down. There's, there's no way. I mean, I have no idea what Elon was thinking. And people say he inherited a lot of his money. He's not that great a businessman. And this move really starts to make me believe it because as a layperson, I could have told you what he was offering to spend was was ridiculous. I said a couple of weeks ago, like he just bought the world's largest trumpet. Like like it's just a big noise maker. <laughs> like, like, what right. the hell was he, was he doing? <laughs> the, the world's largest rusty trombone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's not even on key. You're right. It's um, rusty. It's not even like a, a good note. Ridiculous. Um, look, I, I look. Here, here's one thing. Um, so, if you go back and actually look at this stuff, where, where you go back and you had Usenet, you had IRC. There are a couple of others as well. You had Gopher before you had even Google. Let's say all all these things were, were um, public money that, that developed them and. And then, um, you know, uh, apparently all these tech geniuses came along and uh, found a way to monetize it and essentially took the taxpayers' investment in these historic uh, internet projects and uh, made them into a new technology that everybody needed. Um, I'm dubious, extremely dubious about tech entrepreneurs. uh, Musk fits that category, so he doesn't. Um, you know, I, I, I watch on Twitter uh, people going, "Oh, I just had my account reinstated because oh, it's a great." And, you know, he hasn't even taken over the company yet, so I don't know. You know, sort of obviously, it's all just. Uh, yeah, I'm very skeptical <laughs> about that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. People saying it's not like they just gave him a a, a driver's wheel, and <laughs> right? Yeah, and Elon's especially going to check on your account, right, mate? So, yeah, okay, right. So, yeah, I think, I think people are just addicted to lying. I think that's just what it comes down to. Um, but, but my point being, you know, these things like Twitter, which are essentially sort of glorified, uh, it's basically an SMS network, right? Um, um hence the original 140 character limit because it was designed for SMS messages. But, um, you know, these things were built on uh, public services. Uh, And so the government built these things, uh, the government built the internet. And I think this is especially important, you know, so the, the defense industry uh, designed the internet, of course, because we know that it was designed to survive a nuclear attack, which is pertinent probably in these times. Um, but they can never monetize it. But at the same time, the American taxpayer, let's say, paid for DARPA to, to design this internet. Oh, you really and know then it, it, Yeah, and then it's all handed over to 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 private companies who, who suddenly invent it. Right, and and then they monetize it. But where's your tax dollar gone that was actually spent on the original research? You didn't get anything back from it. You just handed it over to some schmuck who turns a, a you know, like Zuckerberg, who turns a, a 
uh, what's it called, a scrapbook into a uh, internet phenomenon, right? And it's not so, even like uh, original on his level because there was Friendster and MySpace and yeah, uh, the the Harvard thing that he directly, I think it's called Connect You. Uh, so like. He's at the fourth generation of the of the idea, and, and that's not, not yeah. the reason why I think these people are so bad. Is a lot of them have no genuine creativity. What they are is very canny opportunists. They can see something happening and position themselves through better connections or better access to capital to um, you know beat the first uh, the, the first creators, the early the early adopters, and yeah, like. Exactly. like, like uh, for example, with Twitter, for example, like in addition to to Facebook being nothing original, it was done like three or four times before, uh, but you just had the best connections and money. Uh, Twitter, most of its features were terrible when it started. The actual tech people who created Twitter, all they were doing because they're all, and it's not to disparage um, autistic people, but uh, tech people have a disproportion, disproportionate amount of kind of socially um, – uh, the bad people. Uh, <laughs> they were just texting what they ate all day and just dumb stuff, you know, like boring stuff. And then when the general public got into it, they created manually the retweet. They created using it for threads. They created using it to talk about interesting things. Um, weird Twitter with the comedy. And then all they did was just keep working into the design of the Twitter stuff that people were doing. So I was using Twitter back when to retweet, you would copy and, and paste what someone else tweeted and type the letters RT in front of it. And that was how you used to retweet. And then suddenly yeah. they made retweet an official uh, feature. But this is going to show like even the features of Twitter that people think are interesting, the actual creators had absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah, but re retweet is is just reply all. It's, it's yeah, exactly. A, it's not a huge. Uh, um, so it, it's but, but, reply but all. This makes it text. even crazier that they didn't even think about it. Yeah, right. But here's the thing, uh, because I, I see you've got some more callers, so, so I'll jump off. But here's the thing. Um, so when I was younger, there was this myth that uh, uh, Bill Gates, let's say, had uh, um, created MS DOS and uh, all this sort of stuff. Turns out he, of course, he didn't create it, and he bought it. And the, but the, the myth was still that he was a chance, a chancer who got it through the door. Let's say, and there was um, another myth propagated that he'd um, uh, uh, got it ahead of another operating system called CPM uh, because the guy who was doing CPM uh, wasn't available, and IBM were in town. And there were all these sort of myths. Uh, but I only just recently learned that um, Bill Gates' mother, while he was at performing that company, was on the board of IBM. So <laughs> you, you need to revisit a lot of these myths and, and actually look deep because it's not... The myth is, is a myth for a reason. Right? Mm-hmm. And, anyway, and, Trevor, I'll let you go because you've you've got a few more people on. They'll probably be more interesting than me. So, oh no, uh, you've been you've been great. And uh, also, I, I was really impressed at how much you know your stuff. And uh, I only recommend people to read the book uh, Surveillance Valley if you want to hear about DARPA and a lot of stuff that Roger. Well, was I, I, I I I I've done a few DARPA projects in my time. So. Oh okay, cool. 
Cool. So yeah, you really do. Oh, so so that's why you knew about it back in 1991. Because you were. Yeah, it, it uh, could um... be. <laughs> but uh, okay. uh, I wasn't doing anything nefarious, let's say. Okay, but, we'll uh, take your word for it, Roger. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank, thanks easy, so man. much. Take care. Ciao. Uh, ciao. Um, so real quick, um, before we go to Hirotsu, um, I want to play something real quick that I think is uh, relevant. Hold on. Because uh, you're talking about the myths, and somebody on Twitter put this up today. It's the same woman playing two sides of a conversation, so you'll have to bear with it because it's going to be the same voice talking um, in a row. And just imagine it's two different people. One person is a person who's in front of a shrine to Elon Musk, and the other person is the person who's uh, correcting her. She's playing both roles in this conversation. That's about two minutes, but it totally touches on to what uh, Roger was talking about, about, about the, these myths. Tell me if you can hear it. He's just amazing. He's going to bring humanity to Mars. You're not being serious, are you? This is all, this is a bit, right? What? He is a genius and a self-made billionaire. Oh, uh, you might want to sit down for this. He started his first company with money from his dad and his rich friends. Well, he ran it well enough to make it huge. Not really. He sold it for $22 million to a larger company that was just trying to squash all competition. And then he got even more money. Raising $50 million is a matter of making a series of phone calls. He's still a genius. You'll never be able to take that away. His online banking startup had a security flaw that was so bad you could transfer funds from anyone else with just an account number. The board fired him because he was ruining the company financially, but he still made $180 million when it sold. He is the reason we can have a green future. I'd like to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. That'd be cool. What he really wanted was fame. But he still founded Tesla. Tesla was founded by Martin Eberhard and Mark Tarpanen. Who? Not Elon. He bought in. He became CEO in 08, then started a media campaign to get loans and investments. Daimler said they would invest if he got a Department of Energy loan, so he lied and said he did. Then he applied for the Department of Energy loan and put Daimler's involvement on that application. He lied to get the loans? Yep, $451 million of government money. And now Tesla makes money in an interesting way. Selling carbon credits. Companies' carbon emissions are capped and Tesla reduces emissions so they earn a lot of credits. And they sell them to the companies that go over. The few quarters that Tesla was profitable were mostly thanks to this. That just erases the progress. When Elon tweeted, funding secured, Tesla going private at $420, that was a lie. And it inflated the stock price of Tesla. My cash balances are, are very, very low. I, I simply had loans against my, my stock. So I, 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 if, if Tesla and SpaceX went bankrupt, I would go bankrupt too. Now he's being sued for $248 billion for buying Dogecoin, then using his public presence to inflate the price and profit off of it. He says he's going to save the planet and save humanity while he exploits people and the system. He's just. Yeah, so like um, he's a pretty clever like scammer as far as moving money from one place to another and. Uh, you know, telling bold lies and everything. And, um, you know, when you see the actual business acumen, uh, it's not really great, which is why I think he uh, stepped on his own dick uh, with um, with Twitter and just um, got 
push. My re- the reason why I think he had to bite the bullet and do this was because uh, for anybody who knows anything about uh, trials and litigation, there's a discovery period. And discovery period is a lot of stuff has to come to light. And you do a litigation hold and you cull all these documents electronically. And I think a lot of negative stuff is going to come to light about him and his business. One thing they pull is all your emails um, that aren't attorney-client privileged. And I just think he was worried that he was going to have a lot of embarrassing stuff revealed about him and still have to buy the company uh, anyway. So he got totally outmaneuvered. And um, I think he bought a turkey. But yeah, hey, Hirotsu, feel free to unmute. Hey, how's it going, brother? Uh, You're unmuted, but I cannot hear you yet. Maybe there's something with your mic. Okay, anyone else hear him? It's not just me that can't hear him, right? Okay, um, I'm going to go to Schnarf and then uh, give you time to figure out what's going on. Oh, wait. So you can hear him. Uh, or can't. Okay. Someone said, I thought someone said they could. Okay, so um, Hirotsu, I'll tell you what. Um, just try to figure out what's going on with your thing and then I'll move on to someone else. Hey, Schnarf, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Cool. No, I, I think it's really interesting that we're having this discussion. I, so the one thing I've noticed, whether it's Kanye West, whether it's Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Larry Ellison, any collection of wealthy people, they become something that regular people become enamored by, you know? Like maybe a week or so ago, I was I got I, I had a I had a pretty heated conversation with my friend who makes money by putting up wheat paste, right? Posters illegally. And he's enamored by Kanye West to the point where he's ready to fight me over it. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you don't make Kanye's money. Kanye doesn't give you any money. Kanye doesn't give you any value, right? Kanye doesn't improve the quality of your life. Kanye is not a voice for your for your struggle or your or your happiness or anything. Kanye is as a person who has his own selfish narcissistic existence. And I think one of the biggest problems in America is that we live in a cult of personality where people vicariously live through the millionaire and billionaire class which is why we probably will never have guillotines. We'll never, we'll never take them down because they essentially are the means by where the masses live out their dreams. And I don't know if you agree with that or you disagree with it, but the one thing we definitely do agree on is that Elon Musk does not put value into our economy. He takes I, it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, that's why I... Uh posted that video that I posted. There's also an article by Alan McLeod that is pretty good that talks about how he made money. Um, you know something interesting, though, what you said? There's a book um, for our 
podcast, we had a um, book club, which we're about to resume uh, soon. And one of the books that we read was called The Image by Daniel Borston, spelled B-O-O-R-S-T-I-N. I think it's one of the best prescient books uh, ever, especially when it comes to media and uh, cultural analysis for the 20th century. And it talks about how um, heroes got replaced by, especially in the era of movies and TV, got replaced by celebrities. And he talks about the difference between a hero and a celebrity. And the idea is that celebrity is famous for being famous, whereas a hero is famous for being, um, for having uh, actual accomplishments. But the tricky thing is a hero in the age of media will get converted to celebrity anyway. So like, even if you, had done amazing feats or whatever uh, once television is done with you you will become a uh, celebrity who's famous for being famous and that even makes it trickier because you think you're following someone because they're a hero but they've stopped being a hero like you know a long time ago all you're doing is tracking where they ate where they ate dinner who they're sleeping with who they were caught cheating with what uh the reality show is is like and and it's like um i think on top of everything else i mean this this book was written in the 50s i think there's more forces that have happened to make the celebrity the dominant form over the hero even worse because now um we have influencers and total access like we can just um like what a celebrity is to a hero, like an influencer is to a celebrity. It's even more, it's just a person next door. It's just someone who just has a lot of followers. And you have now even people like someone like Will Smith, who was like, you know, a big A-list celebrity is now doing TikToks and doing like uh, floss dances and trying to get likes. Like uh, everybody's tr- trying to chase uh that lowest common denominator um, clout. And what I find like pretty interesting, right, is the whole canceling even of dead people, whether you think it's right or wrong, right? Uh, I'm not making a value judgment. I'm just saying, just uh, objectively speaking, um, there's no heroes really left even retroactively. I think it's even worse for white people because white people uh really have everything wiped out you know because all the people they used to call heroes have been exposed as genociders uh colonial people racist uh sexist colonizers all this stuff and um at least black people and some other non-white people they can still have their martin luther kings their malcolm x's their their um gandhi's even though he's become problematic too uh people found out how anti-black he was but there's still like something you can have but um even the heroes of the past have been mostly uh erased so it's like take like your malcolm x or your martin luther king or whatever and what do we have now we have sean king d ray these people making podcasts these people um you know tweeting and appearing on talk shows and buying houses like um, yeah, the age of the hero is um, dead, but I think there's a part of us in human nature, like no matter how much technology advances and how fast it advances, there's a very primal part of us that wants to touch the divine through a 
hero. And I think that's what your friend who's worshiping Kanye, those people who worship Elon are like, they're filling that primal need with that's just to them. What's what's left, you know, they can't um, picture any bigger hero. That's, that's what a hero has been since the time they've been born is a celebrity is a rich person is, you know, they can't, they can't fathom a, an actual, like, um, even when they see someone who is approaching being a hero, who's like made real sacrifice, whatever, they'll be like, Oh, that person's corny. You know, that person, uh, you know, someone will be in the ground putting all this work in and doing all this stuff in activism. And if they criticize, say like a D Ray at their peak, you know, um, I've seen this happen. People go in, in their tweets or, or, um, go attack them on Facebook being like, you're just jealous because he makes more money than you and whatever. So it's like, we're at the point now, even if we see a hero, we can't even recognize and appreciate it. We're not just star for it. Uh, we've lost our ability to even, uh, you know, process it. But I, I think there's something else that's at work as well. Mm-hmm. And I think with social media, there is, there's, there's two levels to this. I think the world of, of, and I hate to use this, but it's the easiest way to do it. The people who are seeking dignity are the oppressed of the world. And when we seek that dignity and we're looking for, for this kind of narrative that we can hold on to so that we can have that dignity, we often become co-opted into a, a, a kind of hyper-reality that doesn't add up. What do I mean by that? There's a, woman, there's, a, there's a movie that came out a couple of, like maybe a couple weeks ago named Woman King. It glorified the kingdom of Dalmay, right? The kingdom of Dalmay made its made its wealth off of slavery, not just slavery of other neighboring tribes, but of people within its own confines. It cannibalized its own people, right? But they'll make that movie. That'll be the new narrative and people will, you know, like my own girlfriend was saying, oh, I want to go see it. And I, I was just like, are you out of your mind? You know, and, and she's like, oh, you always got to be you always got to be Oscar the Grouch. And I'm like, I'm not Oscar the Grouch. This this movie is a narrative that doesn't actually match up to history. I think with white people, it's a little bit different. I think they don't need heroes because what essentially has happened is the cult of the self. There's a kind of a narcissistic worship where a person takes themselves. They could be, you know, the lowest person on that totem pole. But then they create a world in hyper-reality, be it social media, be it wherever, even in their own imagination, but they make themselves this enigmatic figure. I can't hear you. I think your volume. Yeah, I see so, your lips moving. But yeah, yeah, there we go. You, there look, we you go. look like you look like, like one of them old movies. Kung Fu movies. <laughs> <laughs> Or like, like with the silent movies where like the, the words come yeah. on. Yeah. I was waiting for the writing to come up. <laughs> yeah. I'm still getting used to this uh, format because uh, I'm on desktop instead of the usual phone. Phone. Uh, phone. I think you're absolutely right. But you know something? I don't think that white people don't need heroes. I think they've given up on having them. So they've, I think it's like, you know, when you can't have something. So you're like, you know, you disdain it, you know? So like, I think you're right. I think they've, convince themselves and made a new world where they don't need it but the reason why i think so right is look at all these weird fights that happen over superheroes right and you're replacing this uh classic 
superhero with um, a black woman or a disabled trans lesbian or whatever. And to a degree, I do agree in that I find it corny to give non-white people um, the leftovers of white people uh, for icons and then celebrate it because you're like trying to bash white people in the story. You're like, oh, you know, blah, 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 white privilege, whatever. But you're begging for the hand-me-downs and it undermines your own pride message. And I would rather have, have less of that. But I do find it disturbing the extent to which they've invested these um, um, pen and paper drawings with heroic energy. And it's like, deep down, they do want heroes. And that's very infallible to them still. Like, you know, hey, we wrote this ourselves, so no one can go back and cancel it, you know, because um, you're not going to find out that Captain America was a racist or a or whatever, but then these people write new stories that make them into that, you know, or kind of, um, you know, make them kind of quote unquote woke and these people lose it because it's like to them, that's all they have, they have left. So yeah, I do agree with you that they've convinced themselves they don't need heroes and they don't really physically need them because they have all the capital and they dominate. So they'll be fine without them. But I think they do have a type of personal spiritual um, need for them and it eats at them that um, they can't have heroes. I think things like Hamilton are like that. Like, it's like, the, I think the grift and the gift of Hamilton was that um, minorities conspired with uh, white capital to give them back their heroes. So they're like, yeah, we know you can't celebrate these guys anymore, but what if you use our bodies to celebrate them? Now people can't call you racist. Now you can celebrate George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, these slavers and rapists and colonists, and be called woke for it. We'll be your um, ideological shields that, that you can use to um, get your heroes back. And I think that's what a lot of this black bourgeoisie, non-white bourgeoisie is kind of doing with with white people is offering them ways like like something like bridgerton like they'll act like that's taking a stand against uh white racism by making the edwardian period i said that wasn't the edwardian period whatever that period was um i didn't watch it (laughs) oh yeah you better off i can't stomach shit like that yeah i think i think what's i think what's even funnier i think what's even funnier is is that is that there is no material change in systematic racism, but the entertainment and the culture industry, they, they are, they're having a massive orgasm over this on the flip side. If you look at what's happening in education, we're not even talking about reconstruction. We're not talking about the, the, the evils that, that occurred in the beginning of the history of this country, but we seem to make an effort to create this, this kind of, strange virtual world where you know we can have like you said black bodies playing out the roles of of the people who are responsible for the evils yeah. and, and the shortcomings of democracy in this country yeah you have black you know, bodies to white i see there's other people here too i i just well, the one thing that i would would want to ask you is this is that do you think that Elon Musk would ever do a biopic and cast somebody who wasn't white as as the person to play his own character. 
You know, it's interesting. In an attempt to... <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, he wouldn't call it the Elon Musk story, but you know, it's interesting. The guy who did Euphoria, the Levinson son, I think his name is Sam Levinson. He did a story called Malcolm and Marie, and it wasn't literally a biopic. It was about a character that was a thinly veiled version of himself, and he used uh, Denzel Washington's son, a black man, to voice his gripes with a critic and his vibes, his gripes with you know the movie industry and whatever. But it gave him an extra weight because now there's like a you know marginalized voice as the mouthpiece for his concerns. So now his "What was me?" in Hollywood stick now hits different and now and a lot of people are kind of saying okay that's weird because this is clearly meant to be a mouthpiece for your um gripes with critics and whatever but to make yourself look more like the underdog you used a um black guy as an analog but he didn't call him barry levinson or or sorry uh sam levinson or anything like that the guy had a totally different name so I could see Elon Musk doing something like that, like financing a movie where it's not a direct biopic. Like it's not the Elon Musk story and hires a black person. But I could see him like supporting something that was like a thinly veiled uh, e- Elon Musk and maybe maybe doing that, you know. I think he needs I don't know. We don't need that. We need guillotines. That's what we need. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to uh, take care. You know, I was – I'm not crazy about the whole – guillotine imagery um and the reason why is i get the appeal of it but uh in history it tends to not go well because i feel like uh i mean i'm of haitian descent and if you ever read like what happened with haiti after after the haitian revolution uh they got rid of the white people then there was a lot of um infighting and people kind of fighting and turning that energy against each other and um and people wanting to be the king and separating that two kings and all that but i'm not going to say everything that bad that happened to haiti was because of that because there were a lot of embargoes and active oppression by the west to keep haiti down in um um after the revolution and to punish them. But uh, you go to the French revolution as well. By the end of the French revolution, they were just mm-hmm. everybody, including the other revolutionaries. And I, and, and like the thing that I don't like about the whole guillotine imagery is that I think a lot of it is directed toward the idea of everybody hates the guy on top. But if you don't have like a very solid, unifying, positive, um, ideology or image i don't mean positive in terms of feels good like mm-hmm. positivity i mean positive as opposed to negative like negative is i'm against this i'm anti-trump i'm anti-rich i'm anti-capitalist that's like a negative vision a positive vision is i'm for this um i feel like guillotines always end up cannibalizing and if you read the history of <clears throat> it started like that i think that's what um happens and yeah that's just what i wanted to say but um hey hey how's it going james hey is is my video on um no your video is not on and i can see it but i don't know if on the mobile app it shows okay yeah yeah, it asked me for permission to the camera to even move forward to the queue so anyway um 
this Elon Musk thing, I think is, I think it's kind of been hilarious. I mean, I really do. The the guy talked his way to being the CEO of Tesla, and honestly, when all that shit was going on uh, on Twitter, <clears throat> all I could all I could think of was the. Did you see the uh, the? Uh, and I don't know if it was one of his specials, the the Bill Burr special. Where he's talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger banging the maid. Oh no, I didn't hear about that. Oh no, no, no! It's 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 hilarious. But he's he talks about Arnold Schwarzenegger's arc of his career and how basically it's just a trajectory straight to the moon, like the entire time. So why wouldn't he think he could do whatever the fuck he wanted and there wouldn't be any repercussions for it? No consequences, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because there never had been for like 25 years, you know? Um, and I think that's exactly where Elon Musk was in that moment. And I, I almost felt like you could feel it. Like, almost mm. like he knew he was going too far. <laughs> and no, then he did. And now he's got, he has got the most, and I think it really is, and I don't mean it in a, in a snooty way, but. I think the conversations on Twitter are generally more elite in whatever the you know the the subject of discussion is, even if that elite is like elitely insane. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. But but you can't make a lot of money off a bunch of idiot savants who occasionally create culture. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now no. that, that's what he's got. And I think that he will try to run both of both Tesla and Twitter, like be the face of both of them. I don't no, think he can help himself. Yeah, totally. And I feel like what he's doing is the equivalent of borrowing. And the people at Vice used to do this too. Like Vice is one of those companies that's very good. At, like we live in a culture that rewards legal scamming. Um, oh yeah, more than anything else you know if you can legally scam like scam where it's unethical but it's debatable whether it's illegal i mean if it's illegal too away with it by all means uh do it but i mean the vice people were like that if you ever read like um um this guy daniel voshart's uh site v-o-s-h-a-r-t he wrote all these exposés on vice they're amazing he compiled all this information about how they were always um Dressing, they're always putting pig on a lipstick and getting new investors and whatever. Oh, but yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. were very good at it and getting insane valuations. They must and, have been the coolest fucking people. I mean, oh, seriously. Like, we might have given them money. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I mean, I was in hanging around Williamsburg around that time. So, like, if you saw them at that time, they were so like awful you know what i yeah, mean right 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 like so good it's just bitter <laughs> yeah if you saw them at a distance i think uh-huh. it's very easy to get uh sucked into that culture like i would definitely give them the money if i had the, the position to right to see them up close and to see like what slob they were right. yeah and uh they were like really racist too like no, but they managed to get away with the ironically though ironically so i'm sure right ironically well, so yeah. well yeah it was ironically but uh gavin mcginnis would always push it a bit too oh far. no I, but I, I put that in quotes because it's it's just oh, no, the way I put it in quotes. testing it you know what i mean yeah oh, yeah yeah uh, the reason, but the reason why i um said what i said is they would go 
past the point where they can even say irony, and then he would always backpedal, you know, like and, trucker um, jokes. Was that like trucker jokes? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He would, he would just kind of like backpedal when uh, called on it and stuff. But um, that, that seems like Gavin McGinnis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I I feel like with all that stuff. Sooner or later, uh, whether it's Bernie Madoff, whether it's the guy who keeps um, moving balances from credit card to credit card or whatever, mm-hmm. sooner or later, like, you can't keep it up. So I'm really kind of <laughs> curious, with this recession happening, venture capitalist money drying up, um, there's not really that free flow of liquid capital that you can just tap into, you know, where there's, they were just giving away, like, money with cheap interest and stuff like the inflation it is out. more than that man it is more than that yeah. tesla is up against more competition mm-hmm. than they will i mean it, it is absolutely crazy uh they've left money on the table with t- uh, tesla solar by not getting it rolled out and pushing it because energy prices are going to continue to rise precipitously it would have been perfect they would have been perfectly staged for it if they'd owned the market immediately they didn't so other people have already filled the gap on that and teslas just aren't as good as a lot of these electric cars that are being made by like you know hyundai and ford <laughs> like yeah like they know and how to make fucking cars they're just mostly a flex that's just really yeah good yeah they're and now flex. it's gonna see you're gonna see a thousand horsepower and uh, every, every fucking brand will have one, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just really crazy to me. The, yeah, it's, yeah. It's I the think... worst possible time for him to have done this. But, you know, uh, what you said about his ego and stuff, I think that's a big <clears throat> reason why he had to um, buy this company and then also make this cockamamie story about how he's doing it to save free speech and stuff. Oh, my gosh. I think he realized... If you let this litigation go through, yeah. the amount of stuff that would have come out uh, <laughs> about him through the um, discovery process, it would have revealed him as a clown. So oh, he, sure. He had, to, yeah. he had to bite the bullet. Yeah. Yeah, because I've worked on litigations like that. Everything comes out. Mm. Even your personal stuff comes out. He's kind of dumb. Oh, especially the personal stuff. Yeah. That's what you'd want. He's the kind mean- of dummy. <laughs> I'm very sure he does not use a burner to email his side piece. He might just do the Elon at Tesla.com. Uh, right. Hey, baby, right. Uh, can wait. Big Don Elon at <laughs> Tesla.com. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, agree. I think he's, but I think he's fucking Tesla. And if I knew anything about finance, I would be looking for time to short it. Um, um, but I, but I, I also think Maverick of Wall Street. Uh, he's this guy that, that uh, it's on YouTube. Uh, he does really good. He does really good uh, industry coverage and stuff, and um, he has a video. I can't remember the name of it, but if you look for Maverick of, on Wall Street and Tesla, he talks uh, about all the ways um, in, a, in a very easy for lay people to understand all the ways that uh, Elon's company is just a bunch of hot air and uh, a bunch of like it's like a shell game. So if you if you wanted to look, um, I would tell you to check that out. If I if I find the video, I will. Um, DM it because because we follow each other on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't like I don't like Elon as I think in terms of like the kind of person I think he is. He's he's not a person I would want to be around alone. 
You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. Um, he's just so he's just odd, you know. But um, but there's yeah. also like this, like yes, he was born with with money, but I also don't think people really consider how hard it actually is to have done what he's done in terms of building, you know, the first plausible electric vehicle that can be deployed, you know, globally. That part I agree with. I think it's And I think that's I think it's an incredible achievement. Yeah. I think it's I think an it's, incredible achievement. I think it's not easy to do what he does. The part that I take away from him is this idea that he's like Tony Stark or this like, you know, oh, right. inventor or anything. But right. he is really is someone that sees the seeds of another good idea and he'll come in and somehow the other people will disappear. He's one of those guys. There's people like that in every He takes over the organization of all the work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So because so it, it, I mean he really that it, it's him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think he grows the money, but more akin to the way a mobster would than a real visionary titan of industry. Uh, uh-huh. like, like he gets a piece of your company and then he scams his way to the top of it. I think he's very good at working the system, working the loopholes. I mean, uh, but that's, that's the thing though, man. I mean, that's part of it. No, no, it's totally part of it. Like, yeah. like I, think, I think it's bad to take away all the credit from him. But I also think yeah. it's bad to do what other people do, which is to give him the wrong credit and think that he just has this amazing <laughs> business acumen and this amazing ability to invent like Tony Stark and all this stuff. And it's the, the like, best is when they compare him to Steve Jobs, like like yeah. younger seeming people. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true, but Steve he's Jobs not, didn't. Yeah. He's not Steve Jobs. I mean, Steve Jobs was well, good. I mean, Steve I, Jobs didn't invent any of that shit either. He didn't invent it, but he had a better claim to it than. Uh, well, that's that's this. Yeah, that's definitely true. Elon, for sure. Like, like uh, you know, I mean, Elon really added. Oh, I don't know. Well, you know what? We have other people in the queue. But uh, right thanks, thanks so much, James. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, man. Take care. Take care, man. Uh, hey, Hiroto, you got everything uh, cleared out now? You know, you said you're on both. I wonder if I wonder if somehow being logged onto the PC and iPhone is a problem. Oh, you disappeared. All right, I'll tell you what, um, I wrote to if you come back up, I will shoot you to the front of the queue. Um so just let me if you come back into the queue, I'll shoot you to the front. Hey, how's it going, Roger? Hey, can you hear me, Trevor? Yep, yep, can hear you. Yeah, uh, um, I've really, really been enjoying this um, um, call-in. Um, I, I just wanted to, to, there were some really interesting points made, and I, I'm sorry um, to the caller who made them. I wasn't wearing my glasses when he made them, so I couldn't see his name. Um, but he, he, he was sort of talking about the... Um, let's say the uh, cultural relevance or, or things of, um, so what I was imagining, you know, you have this thing where you have James Bond is a, a, a cultural icon, right? 
And then you, you have this question of whether or not James Bond can be black. So you have this question of whether or not, uh, I think the, the front runner would be Idris Elba, and whether or not he can play James Bond or, and be the authentic James Bond. Well, the answer is obvious. Of course he can, because it's an imaginary character. It's a character. And uh, um, of course he can be that character. Anybody can be that character. And, and I'm, um, apart from computers, I'm also interested in a few other things. There's an interesting, um, you know, uh, I assume you know Schooly D. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, no Schooly D. Sorry, I was just looking for the mute button. I couldn't find right. it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, he did a song called um, "Signifying Rapper," um, which is a very powerful rap. I, I, I thought um, at the time it came out, let's say, and um, you. you you know the premise of the rap, and I mean, it's uh, basically the pimp, uh, the rapper, and the faggot, right? But it, it's based on a um, Nigerian myth, right? So, so he's, re he's, he's basically telling a, an ancient story in, in, in a modern context. And so, but all those characters within that ancient myth are still valid when we get back to that sort of hero context we were getting to, right? So whether the um, the lion, the elephant, or the monkey, uh, you know, it's the monkey, of course, that wins in the end, but th these things of mythology, that they're not race-related. Th these are deep human constructs. They're not... Um, not something you can claim ownership of. So, so the feel, you know, the things where Romeo and Juliet. This is not limited to to to, um, to, to you know to to one culture. We all feel love. So, so all these things are, to my mind, borrowable. Because we, 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 these are art. You see, the one problem I have with the James Bond thing, I'm one of the people where I'm against um, the idea of black James Bond. But um, the reason I'm against the idea of a black James Bond is, I mean, it's art, but I feel like art is often used to push an idea or an aesthetic or a worldview. And I think a lot of art kind of dances with the idea of um, propaganda. The devil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's a very good book. I read this a, a while ago, but it's a very, very good book. It's called um, The Man Who Saved. Because I like James Bond novels. I find them very interesting. Uh, but I like to read them in the context in which they were, you know, made to be. Like, I'm the kind of person... I don't even think you should even have a white James Bond that takes place in 2000. I think for him to work, it has to be in the 1950s, in the Cold War, in post-war England. I think that's where he gets most of his uh, power as an idea. Like, if you just think that James Bond is supposed to be a spy who has cool gadgets and shoots guns and has sex <laughs> with women, 
you lose a lot of the power um, behind them. But there was this book. It was very good. It was called, uh, I had to Google it to get the author's name right. The Man Who Saved Britain, A Personal Journey into the world, into the disturbing world of uh, James Bo- James Bond, and um, <laughs> uh, Ian Fleming was a very interesting guy. He had a very kind of interesting life in the military and interesting relationship to colonialism. Like he had a big estate in Jamaica yeah. called, called Goldeneye, and he was a big beneficiary of you know the the colonial system. Even after you know the English Empire went down, he still had a lot of nice things in Jamaica and stuff. And uh, the book makes an argument and it makes an argument pretty convincingly that um, after World War II, I mean, England being the place where uh, the sun never sets on the English empire, like at any given part of the day is daytime on something that England owns uh, in the world. And they had the widest spread empire under Queen Victoria, you know, that anybody ever had to post-World War where you're you're like second or third, maybe even third if you count the USSR to um, America, and you're a shadow of yourself. And the idea is that um, if England is like uh, a masculine country or whatever, they're emasculated. And James Bond was an attempt to give a metaphoric phallus back to um, <laughs> post-colonial uh, they were castrated colonially. You know what I mean? Like if the, if the well, colonial holdings were the phallus, they were kind of castrated. And it was a fantasy that, you know, England still runs the world. Uh, you know, uh, the UK still um, has the, the the power. And I think it's weird. I think it's like Hamilton all over again. If you have a black guy do it from a place that used to be colonized by England, is it still James Bond? Like, no, yeah. I, I, no, I, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. And, and, and I agree. And James Bond is, uh, or, or those types of characters, let's say, uh, products of their time and their environment. Um, th- there's one thing I'll add, um, and, and not a lot of people know this, um, so there was a um the british were heavily involved in the slave trade um obviously I, the, the one people who didn't benefit from that slave trade uh, and the, the the reason there weren't slaves used in england is because they had their own stock so you have and the reason you have these problems in england now let's say you have the north of England where they didn't need to bring slaves in to do work. They had them. And the people who benefited in England weren't the people. So it's one of the things that that causes a lot of friction now. So because lies have been told, let's say, whereby... um, you know, uh, you, you've got somebody from the north of England who, who's basically, you know, parents were essentially slaves throughout their life, and they're now being told that they're responsible for all this stuff, and they're going, "What? What are you talking about?" Um, I think it. I think it's. Do you mean indentured yes. servants? Do you mean indentured servants and stuff? 
well, if you if you um, uh, look at sort of um, read George Orwell's book, um, The Road to Wigan Pier. Um, yes, it's basically indentured servitude, and it wasn't. Look, I'm not trying to make a parallel. What I'm saying is England didn't need slaves. They had them. So you, you, you what you, but now I, we come I see to the argument. I see the argument that you're trying to make, but I think. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Hold on one okay, second, good. because good. I, I, I don't, I don't want to. Okay. The good. problem good. is. Okay. Here, here, here we go. So the problem is you have this. Um, uh, breed, uh, uh, breeding this uh, um, antagonistic, uh, like uh, the, for example, the, the the right parties in England now breed this um, idea that, that they have to pay now. So it's the people who didn't have, the people who didn't were victims, let's say, and um, the ones who are going down the coal mines and doing all the, you know, um, staff now have to pay because they're being told by the elite people in the UK that they now have to pay for it because it's them. They benefited from it. So you see how that works, right? I see and that's how you whip up that sentiment. I see how it works, but the problem is that um I do think people still benefit. Like like I I do think for well, first I think the equivalence of what those people were was not uh slaves because uh chattel slavery is its own um thing where uh, you're born and you die into it. You can never work your way out of it. There's no social yeah. mobility. Why your was... children are born into it. That's the other thing. Like when you have a kid, they're automatically born into it from life to death, and they can be separated from you. And so, yeah. I think so, it's... so, so my grandfather came to England to work when he was 12 years old. Yeah. Um. So he he wasn't a slave. I get that. I'm I'm, I'm not saying that, but he he was sent to England to work. Um, yeah. But now, and then you had in the north of England these very poor communities, which did all the work. Let's say so they didn't need slaves. There were no slaves in England. Okay. We did, we didn't need them. I mean, so what can be done? Because if 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 someone if slave if there's going to be reparations for slavery, then yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm perfectly in agreement with you. Here, yeah. Here, 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 here's where the, we're being both being fucked because the people who got all the benefit from it are fucking both sides on this equation. Is what I'm saying. Uh, there's a book called Settlers, and I think it's a very good book because it kind of shows how the white working class did still benefit from uh, things like slavery, even if it wasn't at all to the same degree that the um, 
um, rich people did. But I mean, there's a lot of largesse that comes to the country through free labor. So even, you know, things no, that, I get, that... No, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like, like, you know, even if something like the free... Um, like, there's still... Those people back then, I still think if they had to choose between being indentured servants and being yeah, slaves, they didn't have the choice. Realize, I mean, this is you know that, and I think those things that make well, one thing is there's psychological wages to whiteness that don't even touch on the um, financial parts. As in, before there were non-white people, white people used to fuck each other up a lot, and having places abroad that you could um and having other people to subjugate like that i think did a lot to create a white identity that um didn't exist for poor white people before there was nothing but um I, poor i think there's a there's a flaw in there's a flaw in your argument um and it's a deep flaw so you'll have people like genghis khan let's say and if Genghis Khan had benefited from the Industrial Revolution, I, I doubt Genghis Khan would have stopped where he had. Yeah, I see. I think now you're going into... I mean, I feel like we can just talk about England itself and get the point, because mm-hmm. I feel like going into these hypotheticals is, you know, we can just speculate yeah. all all day. But, but um, no... I think what to agree what, to agree. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you is that mm-hmm. what's being used to manipulate the people in the country. No, 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 Roger. I swear, I understand your argument. I just don't agree with it. Like, I, I see what you're trying. I see what you're trying to say that there's there's the poor white people who didn't benefit from slavery, and then there's the slaves, and that the poor no. white people were closer to being in the bottom and to where the slaves were than they were to the elite. And it's not fair to have them um, demonized to the same extent. I'm, I'm thinking you're saying something in that uh, neighborhood, but like, I disagree with it, but I think to parse all the reasons why I disagree with it would just take up the whole, the whole. Oh, fair enough. Okay. You know Uh, what I mean? Like, uh, there's there's no way I could po- I could properly address all that in this uh in this in this space. But what I, what I'm saying is I think the people who did it are getting away with it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I agree that they're getting away with it. I just don't agree with this binary of you know there's the people who did it and the people who didn't do it. I think there's dirty hands all all around is uh what what i'll say the degree of dirty hands we can argue about but i do think i do think there was a benefit and uh the book settlers i think is a very good um book on it also like the psychological wages of whiteness had a Uh, good thing but i just think it's too much to to expand on the road to wigan pair is also a good book but okay um, i'll check that one out all right, Roger. So we're going to... Take it easy, on. then. All right. Thank you. Take care. Hey, how's it going? Can I, Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Um, that was interesting. Um, 
so yeah, just to go back to what uh, the earlier conversation I think was really interesting about like Elon Musk um, <laughs> is uh, <clears throat> nothing has the chance to get played out anymore. Like um, we see like a bunch of monopolies, like Twitter is a monopoly. There, there's no other website like Twitter, but like back in the day there was Friendster, MySpace, Makeout Club, probably some other, you know, things that we didn't know. We had Instant Messenger, um, the was MSN chat. And now, like, I think even though Twitter's played out, even though Facebook's played out, there's not, it's, there's no other alternative. And, and um, since all the money is locked up in these kind of monopolies, um, we're just in this situation now. It's like it's kind of um, hell world of the internet. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting to, 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 to uh, see that. I don't know where, where this is going to take us, but uh, yeah. What do you think about that? Like, I, I just think it's a monopoly and it's never going to change. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say. It's kind of hard to say because um, things are monopolies, right? But they're also, they can still go, like, I think like the true old school monopolies, once they were in place, that was it. But I think what happens now is one person is a monopoly, then it gets played out. Then someone new comes and the old person just disappears. So I think we have this weird worst of both worlds where you're a replaceable monopoly. It's all or nothing. You run everything until, um, and I think this is another problem with the whole bad attention span generation is they have no company loyalty to anything. If any, if anybody offers them a marginally better experience or marginally cheaper thing, they won't be like, you know what? We have loyalty to X, Y, and Z. We're just going to stick with it. They'll just jump. And we're seeing that with TikTok. Like, Mm-hmm. People jump to this to Instagram. They're from Instagram. They jump to Snapchat. Then Snapchat introduces stories, and the Snapchat people jump back to Instagram. Sorry, exactly. Instagram introduces yeah. stories, and then the Snapchat people just jump from Snapchat back to Instagram. And then TikTok happens, and then the people who are doing Instagram stories then jump to uh, TikTok. And if somebody offers something marginally better than uh, TikTok, the novelty of that will so so. It's kind of weird. Like you get these monopolies, but they mean less to me than they used to mean because we just have this um, brain dead, low attention span generation that just. um, So uh, I think that's what makes a lot of these people so hungry to keep looking for the next thing because they know the base they have is one good innovation away from just mass exodusing to somewhere mm-hmm. else. I think that's why um, Mark Zuckerberg changed the name of his company from Facebook to Meta and is trying <laughs> to do this virtual thing. I think he realizes yeah. even the word Facebook is played out. And yeah. he doesn't want you to think about the company as Facebook anymore because Facebook is already a played out program. It's where old people go now. And he's trying to pivot to the next thing. He's failing miserably, but I think he knows if he stays in the same game. I mean, it goes with everything. Blogs were big. Then uh, blogs died. Then having a big Twitter account was big. Then podcasting was big. But now do, people do, are do, doing calling and YouTube streaming. Yeah. What's going to happen do, do, Yeah. yeah. I, I was just asking, like, do, do you think things get, you know, um, like the baby gets strangled in, in the crib? Like, I think a lot of things could 
be born, but things get bought and then, you know, hit, hit away. Like, I think there's no, there's no more um, ability to, to enter, like going back with this hero um, talk, right? Like, you know, as, as you said, like, as soon as like a good thinker comes along, they'll just get choked out because, you know, someone will have more followers or, uh, you know, has already been deemed um, safe by the, by the, you know, the, whoever controls the status quo. Yeah. I, I mean, it reminds me of the word uh, recuperation, this idea that the mainstream... Oh, yeah, you, you post it in the Discord, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and defang everything. But, like, um, I was at a party full of socialists um, a couple of weeks ago, and they were talking about... There's some DSA people, and they were talking about how they feel like things are getting better because uh, even though Bernie lost and there's this setback, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of concepts and language, you know, is not normalized. I'm like, yes, yeah, normalized, but to what effect? Like, um, there was uh, this woke this woke rapper. She's a Nigerian uh, woman who's overweight. I forget her name, but on Twitter, she's like Orinuka or something. Uh, or, or Chika is is her, is her is her name, I believe. Uh, okay. Her name is Chika. She's a Nigerian American. Uh, rapper and she was talking about some problematic discord this problematic group chat she was in with someone who was canceled and then she was like yeah you know i had to divest of the group chat because oh, i saw the signs coming from i'm like bitch you just left the group chat what's this what, what is used the word divest like yeah like people are just taking these terms and just mm-hmm. using it to talk about the same bullshit they always yeah, talk I about think- now yeah. Defund is being used for like dumb stuff. Like we have to defund Kanye. It's okay. That's just, you're just talking about a boycott. Just yeah. boycott it. You know, like but these yeah. are divest for not dating black men anymore. When divest used to be for like mm-hmm. actual uh, political uh, systemic change. Yeah, yeah, systemic systemic change. change. And, and, yeah, and, and, and reparations. People are yeah. using reparations for all these dumb jokes. Like, uh, yeah, I got a white person to buy me a drink. That's reparations. It's like okay, it's not. Because so, yeah, um, man, it's it's just like weird into in hyper individualism that just was poisoned everything. Uh, uh, and like, I guess I'll just point. I'll just see people coming in, but I just want to just point out too. I've always bring this up, but it never takes traction. But I think that there is something to people just liking mainstream stuff. Like, if you like mainstream music, you got some issues. You know, if you're gonna call yourself a, a, an avowed leftist, I'm not. You know, of course, people can like whatever they like. But I think it's really weird. You see, like these people, like that are you know LARPing as as leftists or socialists, but they they they're listening to popular music or they're watching you know mainstream movies. And you know, I think if if you're gonna use that meme, like let people in, enjoy things. If you're gonna rep socialism or communism, whatever kind of you know um, like label you're gonna put on yourself, then yeah, you 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 can't enjoy some things. Like, that's just a fact. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be a yeah. vegetarian and eat meat. You can't be a vegan and be like, I'm, a, I'm you know, I'm a, I'm a vegan, but, you know, sometimes I, I, I got to eat a little bit of steak. You know, like, you, you, you got to sacrifice, like, sacrifices that you got to be made, you know? And if, and I think that, that that's a big, a big issue, I think, with a lot of, um, you know, leftists is like, they want to be cool. They want to be hip. And it's that's a fucking old ass word. I don't know why the fucking use hip. But they, 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 they still works. Oh, still, still. 
I don't yeah, know we'll what I'm about to say properly ties into your point, but this is something that you talking made me think about is um like I've tweeted about this on Twitter, right? And let's talk about it in terms of Kanye, but same goes for Elon too. Like I hate this thing now where um and this is a perfect example of like recuperation and this way that people take certain concepts and just use it for the most brain dead individualistic behavior. Like there was this thing where people uh, you know would not talk about systemic and then leftists and online radicals would talk about systemic and all this stuff. And then they turned it into a way to say you could never blame an individual for anything. You know, what I think is like bullshit, because even if you had like strikes, like strikes were uh, systemic change. But if a single person crossed the strike line, no one said, well, hey, he's just an individual. Uh, Let's talk about the system. They would like fuck that person up. Like um, even in agitating for systemic change, you don't um, offset your individual responsibility to the system like like you don't use it as an excuse to say that there's no more standards to be held for you as an individual because if you ask me as an individual to be adhere to any sacrifice or principle you're letting the system off the hook um Mm -hmm. but it happens all the time now like online george floyd's um george floyd's girlfriend was like yes great that he died to make this happen (laughs) he died to do and I tweeted like, um, yo, like he didn't die to make anything happen. Like, don't make this into some kind of like he was a hero type of thing, because now you make it seem like it was uh deliberate martyrdom and it's kind of fucked up. Like he was he was murdered. Like, you know, he didn't die to get this uh uh conviction to happen. In an ideal world, this conviction wouldn't happen. And you just kind of um uh, not whitewashed, but kind of romanticizing and in a harmful way. You yeah, know, it's, real, it's, it's madness. And then it's madness. This girl, got to I mentioned, she's she like retweeted and she's like, well, I personally think we, uh, we should be holding systems accountable and not people, but that's just me. It's like, bitch, shut up. Like, so self important. You no know, one is self important, but how the hell does one have to do with the other? Like, Mm-hmm. Where in this world did it say that if you criticize her, you have to leave the systems off the, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I told her, I said, you're, you're a freaking. It's because when it comes to race, your people's brains short, short circuit. But I've seen you white leftists whenever um, something like you know Deadspin um, was considered bad to write for. Um, anybody who's willing to work for Deadspin, you know, in light of the labor problems and the union stuff would be called a scab and you didn't say oh let them work and make that that spend money or let them break the union line you know like you mm-hmm. guys totally yeah. understand what i'm talking about when the shit you care about you know what i mean mm-hmm. but yeah. uh because you got this thing where you just hate identity politics you're just making this arbitrary uh but i think it's another example of something that's been like co-opted by individualism this whole uh you know oh uh you can never criticize a person. It's about uh, the system. Indiv- There's no need to call for an individual to improve themselves in any way because if you do so, you're somehow letting the uh, system system off the hook. And to tie it into this, right, is 
I saw these people complaining about the double standard of Kanye. They're like, Kanye um, said all this stuff about black people, George Floyd, uh, slavery was a choice, uh, says about George Floyd's mother, all this stuff. And then uh, he said one or two things about Jews and suddenly all these people are canceling him. And it's like, those are white people. They're doing what they're supposed to do. You're mm-hmm. supposed to take care of your own. If And I'm down for anybody who wants to complain about the double standard. But if you're a person who kept streaming Kanye's music after he said that stuff, or kept trying out his stuff to see if it was good or not, or you kept buying his Yeezys, I don't want to hear you complain about um, these white <laughs> companies not boycotting him. Because um, you could have done your own personal boycott. You know, like, um, why do you want white, why do you want white people or these bigger companies to do for you what you aren't willing to do for yourself? You're not willing to cancel Kanye. If Kanye, if Kanye does one hot album tomorrow, the idea of missing out on the discourse and the clout and the conversation online from that album, that, that FOMO will weigh out, will outweigh any exactly you have. You're full of shit. And, uh, don't blame white people because they uh, actually have a zero tolerance to, you know, being talked about by by people. And yeah. somebody re- replied to me, they were like, black people don't have the power to uh, create or cancel anybody. And it's like, okay, let's say you're right. Let's say that's true. Let's say that's 100% true. That black people don't have the ability by mass boycott to make or break Kanye. We can't make him a billionaire and we can't kill his career. What is the point of saying that? Why are you telling me that? Why are you coming into my life and telling me this? Like, are you saying this because you're saying that black people shouldn't bother to do anything? So like, is this your excuse for continuing to buy his shoes and complain anyway? Like, uh, Kanye said all this fucked up shit, but, I'm going to buy his shoes anyway because we have the power to make or break him. But those white people, those companies, Chase, Chase should be doing it for me. Chase should be, you know, like white, <laughs> oh, yeah. white mommy and daddy should be, you know. Um, and I think the same thing's going to happen with Elon Musk. The whole time he was talking about buying this thing, people were tweeting and complaining and moaning and bitching. But they're waiting for the antitrust people to do something. They're waiting for the people who own Twitter and have to sell it to him. They're waiting for a judge to do an injunction. They're waiting for some kind of magical systemic force or power to come in and save them from themselves. Like, I can't stop tweeting. I can't stop logging on to this thing. I don't think it's fair to ask me to. I want someone to save me from myself so that I don't change my behavior at all and I can just keep tweeting. And... uh Someone else will take care of this problem for me. Someone else will cancel Kanye for me. Someone else will do X, Y, and Z, um, Z for me. And like me, um, I want to get off Twitter, but it's not because of Elon. Like I just think it's I'd be trying to use it less and less. I just think it's not good for your brain. Uh, but like this whole idea of complaining, like every one of these companies is owned by a fucked up person because uh, yeah. they're all owned by like a, a billionaire person. And nobody's a billionaire without doing fucked up shit. I'm sorry. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not going to play these little games with myself to convince myself that I'm, you know, um, you know, but if something does bother me enough where I got to keep complaining about it, then 
just for my own edification, you know, like if Elon Musk personally bothered me enough, I would just stop using it for that, exactly. for that reason, but not with this idea that he's uniquely, you know, bad and I'm doing this, it's going to topple him. I know it's not going to topple him. I know it's not going to make a difference in his life, but mm-hmm. I just won't feel good if I, I believe and talk all this shit about this guy, but I still... um use this product every day while I'm talking shit. And that's like a weird mm-hmm. thing that people do now. Like these people will work for Netflix and complain about them having Dave Chappelle on and protest on the job every day, but never, ever, ever leave. And then when they get fired, they even um, complain. They yeah. Yeah. And it's like, they never expected to, they never planned to leave for their own volition, but they also, like the job and think the job should have kept them. That that woman, Felicia Sanmez, who was um, going crazy on Twitter, uh, you know, fighting with her um, co-workers and the, and the brass and saying unsafe environment and all this stuff. She's still fighting to get her job back. And it's like, if this place was yeah. so fucking bad, you know, like once you put your life on the line, like fight for a settlement or something, you know, and get some yeah. cash. Why do you want the job back? Like, you know, get your pay, yeah. Yeah, f- f- fight for like a payout and then get into the job or start your own newsletter or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I, I agree. Everything you said, man, like I just, yeah, I'll just end with this. I think somebody wrote, um, I don't, like, hold on. I just wanted to respond to this. Like, uh, Is this snuff? <clears throat> we, uh, not snuff, a little, uh, the, the sport, uh, profit. Okay. Uh, we don't live in a social well, my principle liking mainstream music doesn't make you less of anything. I, I think it does, man. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you know it's it's one thing to like be like, yo, this 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 song is good, right? Okay, cool. It's a good song, you know what I mean. But I think you know when you're you're a fan of some like, I I none of my I I can't have a friend who's a fan of Drake, or like I I can't have a fan who's who's like I I can't have a friend who's like that. Like I, we just won't vibe, man. You know. It's not like if you, somebody likes a, 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 a like a song of a mainstream artist, like fine, yeah, there are lots of decent songs. But number one, the the person that's singing the song, whoever the artist is, probably didn't write it. Number one, so it's like, there's probably like a whole team of people that are doing it. So I think just having like a, a deeper understanding of what the mainstream music industry is, and if somebody can say can you know like it, then that that's fine, I, I guess. But I think this whole like idea of like being a fan of 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 Lizzo or whatever I don't know whatever the fuck is big right now, but like it's like that's so corny. Hey, I'm making, making a fat joke. You saying Lizzo or whoever's <laughs> big right now? We're not gonna go for that. This is not no, no, my, my bad. I, I, I take that back. Um, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, okay, like I'm a fan of Lizzo, but it's like no, you're not. You're a fan of an entire team of people that that do her makeup, that put it together, that tell her what to say, et cetera, et cetera. So I think if you're going to be a socialist and have this kind of materialist view of the world, at least say that about yourself, then you have to like verbalize that. You know, does that make sense? Or am I just being a little um, bit strict? It makes sense to me, but I also think I came from a Gen X time where we really believe that stuff mattered. So I'm so biased to believe it. I'm not good mm-hmm. at getting distance from the belief, but I mean, like, they used to be the kind of thing, like, 
it was hard to say like, hey, I'm a fan of like, you know, the real hip hop and the underground, but I also like uh, Hammer and Vanilla Ice. Like, like, like you couldn't do that. People. No, you can't. There was a lot of uh, policing. But you know, one of my problems with that is, in retrospect, when I try to get distance from it, sometimes I wonder, and it's something I grapple with, because I grew up feeling the same way, and I still have a lot of that belief in me, but sometimes I wondered if it kept us from having to make, like, real sacrifices, because we had these kind of um, aesthetic sacrifices. And what I mean by that is, like, uh, what if, like, we listened to a lot of the bullshit, but we went out there and actually organized and did like real politics or would we have been less likely to organize and do real politics because we're like, to what extent did those choices translate to important big choices too? Like, like to what point were they an indicator that you were going to do big, important stuff? And the reason I say that is because so many Gen X people of my generation, when the time came, sold out pretty easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm inclined to well, agree, with like, you, but I feel yeah. like I'm too close to the mindset to be fair with it, if that makes sense. But I, I wanted to say this, I'll, then I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll jump after mm-hmm. this. I think that there is, <clears throat> I think, you know, you can't always be, uh, what's that, a, like um, anti-mainstream person. Like you got to grow up. I mean, I, and I, yeah. that, I think that's something that, um, you know, uh, is important because like, you build the scene as as a, as a youth. You, you don't have the constraints or even like the you know the mind the you know the life experience. But I think at a certain point you gotta hang up your hat, take 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 out your piercings. It's, you, know, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but you gotta grow the fuck up. You know, you have the you know you have the right not to, and but you're gonna be that old guy that everybody's looking at strange. But but I I think that nowadays like these scenes are just dead like. That, that, yeah. like, and I think you brought it up like young people are whack. I think like young people are, might be actually whacker than, than like older people in, in some well, regard. Yeah, I want to be clear. Yeah. I didn't say young people are whack. I said young people aren't cool anymore. And cool. That's what it was. Cool. That's yeah, yeah, was, yeah. Because there's a difference. Because I I don't think being uncool necessarily makes you whack. By by like I'm not talking about a cool whack dichotomy. What we mean by cool is like. Cool is like the people who set the trends, the people who, you know, everybody kind of wanted to be like. I don't think young people have that anymore. Like young people, um, everything they do now is like they wear Jordans, they wear Air Force Ones and 77 Blazers. They um, like like they're, they're basically the, 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 the opposite of what um, Naomi Klein was trying to fight against in her book, No, no Logo. They're like like the like the corporations uh, won with them. No, well, now that the corporations won, everything that they watch or do or listen to is from a previous generation. They don't really have their mm-hmm. own trend setting. Like, okay, the eighties hip hop generation, like we had a look. There were Kangos, yeah, there yeah, were yeah. Lee jeans, there were whatever, and then uh, the nineties had a look. You know, the cross colors, like the vest. Uh, the baggy pants and the, the Timberlands and stuff, but yeah, and it's, like, it's still lasting today. Yeah, young people now. I can't really think of like like a two thousands look is just dressing like, for example, like like normcore. You're just looking like an eighties uh, soccer mom or something. Your pants to your waist, <laughs> but it's it's a cosplay. It started in the, like around the two thousands with the hipsters, where they were all kind of dressing like the Lower East Side. They dressed like lumberjacks, but 
they just wear costumes of bygone eras. You know, but mm-hmm. I don't think it necessarily makes them whack, but they're not the old definition of cool where it's like, oh man, look at these look at these greasers. They have their own look they created. They just in their in their bedrooms and basements, they put grease in their hair and wore leather jackets and rolled up cigarettes into their um yeah. into the sleeves or the t shirts, you yeah. know. There was a look or the punk people, they started putting safety pins uh in their mm-hmm. piercings and getting mohawks and and getting denim shirts with and, and like when I see young people talk about their drip now, all they do is just brag about how much it costs. Shirt, two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Watch, five hundred dollars. And it's all yeah. stuff that's pre-approved. Like you know, like I have this Balenciaga shoes. Uh, you know, yeah. it's a yeah. brand. Uh, the Jordans. Eighties people uh, and nineties people made Jordans popular. The Blazers are from nineteen seventy-seven. You know, mm-hmm. nothing that's like from that they made cool, I should say, you know? All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, there's no, there's none of that anymore. So I guess, you know, this is just the, where we're at. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll just jump off. But, yeah, I, I kind of lost what I was going to say. But, um, but, yeah, okay. as always, thanks, man. Oh, wait, a bunch of people went to the queue, so I'm going to try to go yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks so much. I'm going to talk less. I've been talking too much. This is a call-in show, so I'm going to give more time for the callers to talk hey robert feel free to um come in and i'm gonna work on staying more quiet okay uh, can you hear me uh yeah i can hear you how's it going man nice. yeah it's, it's going decent but uh, you know earlier you were talking about uh normalizing people talk about normalizing words but they never ever talk about normalizing concepts or ideas and that's that's the worst part especially when they're talking about all this this abstract crap like you know i mean words Language in itself is already abstract, right? You know, it's, it's, you take a, a a sound that people make to describe a thing or like an idea or a concept, but these people never, they, they talk about, you know, freedom or human rights, but they don't ever define those things. They don't ever mean, they don't want people to come to like a collective understanding of, of something like that, which is just why I don't ever care about this, you know. It, it, normalizing words doesn't mean anything because you know now everyone's a socialist for some reason, and I don't think they know anything about it. Yeah, I, I'd much rather have people keep a stable concept and change the word for it than keep a stable word, but the definition uh, keeps changing. You know, it's a good example of that now is abolition. Abolition now just means means anything. You know what I mean? And it's just that's become like the new uh, buzz buzzword yeah and people will be using it and each of them means a different thing yeah and i think it's also incredibly damaging because it's you know we have like a lot of anti-intellectualism i would say you know especially like you were talking about like people brag about like how expensive like their clothing is or how expensive whatever thing they bought is which you know i've actually you know i've run into that you know i remember once i was i was just playing some game and some person was bragging about how they spent like 300 dollars on their headphones and you know taking basic electronic engineering courses and little bit of research that, that you're just wasting your money you know at that point that's just a ridiculous amount and I, yeah. I they were really angry about it and i started you know talking about you know electrical engineering words basically and they were just it just shut them up real quick because they had no clue but yeah but, when, when, when you have all this they have these things on youtube right uh these fashion channels and stuff and i think they're called like drip channels and stuff and they have like a circle of kids and they'll turn the camera to each of the kids and the kids have no sense of style. They just know what everything costs. They imagine this old phrase of 
um, people who know the value of who know the cost of everything with the value of nothing. So the clothes weren't going together. They just looked like clowns. Um, but everything was expensive, but none of them could dress. Like they were, they all had fashion as in everything they had was fashionable, but they had no style. And you can tell, I think it's two things. I think, I think it is the money, but I also think it is just like the brand name is is also like people have to recognize the brand. Like if it's just like a small brand, then, then even if it's expensive, I don't think it really matters. But yeah, yeah, it's a combination of both because Gap or Zara, everyone will recognize, but it's not expensive. And then some things are expensive, but not everyone will recognize. And I think both of those are bad. It has to be expensive and obvious. That's the second thing. It has to yeah. be obvious. Yeah, and actually to link this kind of idea with, with the Elon Musk buying Twitter is, uh, I think a lot of people recognize that kind of like, at least the world we live in is largely built on bullshit. And it's a bunch of people faking it till they make it. Or just being like little petty lawyers where they're just, you know, they'll say stuff like, oh, I didn't, I didn't directly say this or, you know, or like during COVID, like the HIPAA stuff where people didn't know what HIPAA was, but they were trying to be like a lawyer about it. Or so, like, you know, it's, you know, I didn't, you know, I swapped the letters around, so you can't, you can't accuse me of this. But I think I, one thing people were saying earlier is I don't think, you know, I think you said this and I forget who the other person was, but you guys were saying you thought Elon Musk was a lot smarter than people say, and I have to disagree Mostly because I, I think he, I, it's kind of a distinction between instinct and intent, like in intelligence. I think with like an intelligence, it's kind of more of like a kind of thought out. It's more of like an intention versus instinct. I think Elon grew up, you know, grew up with money. He kind of grew up seeing what people were doing. And I think he just mimicked a lot of uh, what he saw around him. And he just saw that people around him who, you know, rich and successful were just faking it till he makes it. I mean, that's just what he does. Yeah, I, I want to clarify uh, something. Uh, when I say smarter, well, I don't think I used the word smarter, but if I did use the word smarter, um, I should have specified because I don't, I don't think he actually is smart in the uh, traditional, like, real sense. I think he's like a, he has a he, he has a canniness, like a scamminess, you know. Um, this this kind of but it's not like true smarts it's like someone who looks at loopholes somebody who is um you know it's a mix of boldness because it's like a lot of people aren't going to do something that bold like when he got a loan from somebody by telling them that when he got an investment from somebody by telling him that he got this government grant but then he went and got the government grant after by telling them about the guy's involvement without like he, he lied. I mean, yeah, he or, did. Yeah. He just lied about it. It's fraud. Yeah. 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 And, and he, he, but he just I lied about it. That's not really smart. He... That's not really smart. It's, it's clever in a way because a lot of generally smart people, because they're generally smart, want them to do that because they'll be busy focusing on doing it the right legitimate way, using their intellectual horsepower. It's like I had this friend who was really good at cheating on tests, but he put an insane amount of work into it. To the point that we would tell him sometimes, why don't you just study? Like, I think it actually take less work than this convoluted thing you're doing to cheat on the test. He'd find all these ways to plant the answers in different parts of his body. But yeah. I started realizing the intellectual horsepower it takes to just study and get the concept, either from laziness or lack of intellectual horsepower, he can't... Uh, 
do that. Like, like there was this guy, um, the guy Donnie Brasco, the real life Donnie Brasco, the one who went undercover with the mob. Uh, I read his books, and one of the books was called "The Way of the Wise Guy," and he was just telling stories. It was an interesting book. It was like a kind of like a self help book or um, a philosophy book based on being around mafia people. And one of the things he said in it, I'll never remember. He says, "People tell me all the time that mobsters are so smart and so uh, whatever." And can you imagine if these con artists, if these people, just put their uh, street smarts into legitimate aims. And he's like, you don't understand. These people can't do that. If they had to be smart following the rules where they couldn't lie and scam or break somebody's kneecaps, they just had to like play the game fair. Mm -hmm. They don't have the patience or the, um, you know, they just just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. They they just can't do it. And I'm, I'm saying Elon Musk has, Maybe the word whatever that quality that the mobster has, like my friend who cheats has, uh, not everybody can do it. Like I would sweat bullets if I had to go and cheat in the test the way he did. I'd rather just study and learn the material. Like, like I would just feel very nervous doing all this stuff and having all these hidden answers on me. You know, it's not worth it to me. I'm not really built to do that. I could lose my whole academic career it's easier to just study. And if I fail one test, I fail one test. I'll do better in the next test. I'll get a tutor. Uh, so I want to be clear. That's what I think Elon has. And it's not really yeah. smart. I think the best word is just he's just shameless. And that's what a lot of yeah, people shame, are. Because it's one of those things, too, where it's just like, you know, he. it's not like he's even a good con man. Because we all know he committed fraud on the scale of millions of dollars. It's just yeah. that. One, no one in the government has enough of a gripe to go for him, right? If, if you know, if they had a reason to go after him for whatever, I don't know what what he. If he did something to piss him off, they would get him for it if they wanted to. But uh, yeah, you just. Well, I think when it comes to like our economy, I think a lot of people see that it is bullshit, and I think he grew up seeing the bullshit all around him, which is why he's completely fine with just faking it till he makes it, just being really bold, making these really. Dumb plays. I think that's what te- the Twitter situation was. I think he was just. I think it was a ploy just to sell off Tesla stock without like yeah. tanking the price of it. But it just bit him in the ass because you know the other people had real expensive lawyers too, and they weren't gonna they weren't yeah, gonna exactly. let him get away with it. Oh, that's a good but, point because because he was pumping and dumping Tesla stock like uh, crazy. A lot of people are crazy. Yeah. He does that, so he could use the Twitter as an excuse to sell his his uh, Tesla stock and then back out of the. Yeah, that could have happened too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what he was planning. I think that was the original plan. I don't think he ever had the intention of buying Twitter, but he signed that contract and, you know, it cost him. Yeah, yeah. And- so I think one of two things happened. Either what you said, where he never had attention on buying it, um, or what I said, where he did have attention on buying it, but he didn't know how bad it was. But I have a feeling, no matter who was right, you and in, in that he never had attention to buy it, or what I said that um, he did have intention to buy it, but he didn't know how bad it was. Although I'm kind of leaning toward your your answer now, to be honest. Uh, I think either way, he was still surprised by how bad it really was. Like, even if he didn't plan to buy it, once he got some of the uh, reports and stuff, he's like, oh, man, I wasn't planning to buy this anyway. But this is even a bigger turkey than I thought. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? It's kind of pointless. But I, I yeah. think he. I think the plan was... He sells off like I don't know, 
10 billion dollar of tesla stock or whatever and then eats the 1 billion dollar like fine that was in the original yeah it makes sense but in the, the, the twitter people were like they i think they knew how bad it was and they were just oh, like now you're do. you're pay, you're going to pay for this yeah the report that but, said 10 percent of users do 90 percent of tweets was internally generated so they, they definitely knew they were, yeah they were probably so happy you know when he, i don't think it's ever really been profitable even at no best. no it's never been profitable. It's always been going by the process, by the promise of future uh, profitability. Like the yeah. stock price was rising and declining based on new user growth. Because the idea was that as long as new users are coming on, eventually, once you find a way to be profitable, which everyone's assuming, those are, once you find a way to properly monetize it, you have a captive audience. And the problem is the idea that it's guaranteed to ever be properly monetizable. And I think a lot of people just don't want to admit that it's never going to be that. People don't click Twitter ads. They just don't. Yeah. I just block them all. <laughs> yeah. I, it seems like there's just more and more now. I, I've I remember, never clicked the Twitter ad. I've used it for like over 12 years. I've never, I go out of my way. To, yeah. I don't click ads on the internet to begin with. Yeah, exactly. It's an accident. I don't think. I think that's what it is. Twitter, I think, first of all, Twitter is the, the worst recommender of ads. It just sends you ads. Where it's like, why would you even think by analyzing my tweets, I want this? Yeah, yeah. I do like the ones that are just like it's like a random person with like five followers, and they just post some like random tweets that they have, and they just yeah. promote it. Those are fun. Some sometimes they're fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, and yeah, I, I mean, feel bad for that person. So I just want to give the, give them a <laughs> like or something. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day. I don't think it's going to change how Twitter runs. I mean, I guess it'll probably be more toxic, but it's already toxic. Yeah, exactly. How much worse and... can it get, to be honest? To be honest? Like, I think everybody should uh, leave it, um, you know, inclu including myself, but not even because of Elon. I feel like Elon should be, like, the last the last straw. The 10% doing 90% of the tweets, enough is a, a reason. That and all the weird... Um, culture war stuff going on because uh, people talk about the alt-right stuff but to me, the Tumblr people make it as, in a way the Tumblr people made it worse than the alt-right people because I feel like when it was really overrun, like in 2014 and 2016 with um, alt-right people in a way it was more fun because everybody was more unified I never realized how obnoxiously divisive the left was until all those people left and there was nothing to do but fight each other and just constantly like emotionally blackmail each other and cancel each other and then force apologies and all this. Oh, yeah, it's really, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what I mean, like at the very beginning, like normalizing all these words and they just, it, because it doesn't mean anything, it just means yeah. what you want it to mean. Then it just gets really, it does get really antagonistic because people will say the same word mean two different things and then they're just talking past each other for days at a time, I like. I mean, I never actually tweet on Twitter. I just look at what's happening. Smart man. Uh, yeah, you know, but I... example is uh, identity politics. Like two people argue about identity oh, politics and talking about like two different things. Like one person is talking about like what uh, you know um, the, the Snick and Martin Luther King did, and the other person is talking about like uh, Patrice Cullors and Sean King. And it's like. You guys are talking about two different things and calling them identity politics. They have like nothing to do with each other except, you know, they're ostensibly about black people. Like, yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's, I think it all kind of links together. You know, people, 
this is like anti-intellectualism people talking pa- that's another problem is people talk past each other and they don't realize it and then they get really upset and then they are they don't understand they they just think like everyone else is hateful or something yeah that i've noticed that, that with like with like in ukraine or like wars in general especially i think democrats i think to to an extreme fault they oh. think negotiation is just like something you should never ever do and that you should never compromise with anyone this is the last well well they compromise with Republicans all the time. Like, like they compromise at the worst times. It's like, yeah, but they agree with that. When it's time to, contempl- to compromise with the left of their own party, or you know, like, like, like with Ukraine and and Russia, um, that's not going to happen. But if it's time to uh, compromise with Ted Cruz, yeah, then suddenly actually have a, a chance of beating if they buckle down. They won't uh, do. Um, but I want to get to the next two people because I want to end it with them. Right. Thanks so much, Robert. Um, yeah, yeah, so uh, no one else come up because we're going to end it with uh, Trevon and, and Brady. And I'm sorry, you've told me before, but I've forgotten if it's Trayvon or Trevon that you prefer to be called. So please remind me one more time. I won't forget. Appreciate it. Yes, yeah, Trayvon. Trayvon. Okay, cool. Cool. Yes, yeah, so how's it going, buddy? Yeah, it's going good. It's going good. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I came in a little late. But uh, find this very interesting. Um, I just want to throw something out there. I tried to have this conversation three years ago with a buddy, but he's not really up on politics and stuff like that. So it kind of fell on deaf ears. But I kind of feel like uh, a lot of this capitalist, like capitalist kind of influence culture, the society that we're in is uh, that's eating itself. It's kind of the result of, you know, not having an ideological enemy anymore. It's like yeah. when like we needed communism, you know, like America needed communism, like it needed like an ideological enemy. And we don't have that anymore. Now we just have uh, basically other countries who do capitalism, if not better than us. And it seems like a. Uh, we're just in the uh, period of great decline. It's like uh, people talk about the Great Reset, but I feel like the Great Reset was at least 30 years ago, like when the manufacturing base was sold, when welfare was dismantled, all those things just immediately, like that was like, that was the moment in the 90s. At the same yeah. time, I think we were getting these, some pretty good, decent, like subversive art about pretty much stating the dangers of all that shit but now it's just we're we're beyond parody now it's kind of crazy like i think we're beyond satire oh yeah no it's totally beyond satire like so many things happen i I always talk about this where you can't make a satire of a lot of this stuff because every time i think the craziest thing has happened um something happens where it's like holy shit like this person is serious. Like, this is worse than I could have ever imagined. And I hate to keep bringing up this show because whenever I do, it takes over the um, room. But uh, I always keep going back to, to the show She-Hulk. And I was telling somebody how I wanted to work on a satire of, like, you know, bad woke TV. And then when that thing came out, I was like, okay, everything that I was writing on my idea sheet, this is so much worse than anything I could have come up with. And if I had seen it in another show where they parodied, like, you know, Bad Woke TV with something like She-Hulk, I would have been like, okay, 
that's too far. Every time I think something's too far, reality beats it. So I'm like, okay, how can you even um, top this? Like, I, I was watching the show Reboot, and they tried to have this episode where these old school writers um, had to host these new school diverse writers and work with them on a sitcom. And this show was probably written like maybe two years ago. And by the time it you know aired, like this is too tame. Like these people are not crazy enough. These people at this point uh, seem very talented, almost. <laughs> like yeah, you, you have reality has so overshot the mark that you had when you are. Uh, and I think that goes with everything, including the categories you said. I think I think everything's moving too fast. I think it goes with a great reset too, and everything else like you said. I think. Things are going too fast to parody now. Like uh, the insane to normalize to passe cycle is going faster and faster uh, than we can even keep up. Yeah, I, I feel like um, I don't know what else to call it. Like um, I used to call like stuff like this, like phantom pain. Like there's this idea where. There was, back in the 20th century, there was this visceralness, like this visceral violence that people face at any given moment when they express a political opinion, you know, things of that, like stuff like that. But now it's just, it's, everyone feels something. Everyone feels every, everything's off and askew, you know? But it's just, we can't focus to actually like pinpoint it. I think, I think a reason we can't focus is because um, of what we're talking about today. It's like Twitter has us constantly spitting out stuff as we think it, and there's no incubation period for y- your your thoughts. And we're receiving uh, micro chunks of thoughts uh, every second. You know what I mean? And I think there's a space between um, thinking something and then saying it out loud that, is a gestation period and it's gotten shorter and shorter. I think there's also like a period between receiving an idea and then digesting and answering it. That has also disappeared. Like the gestation period, the digestion period, they've both been shrunk to nothing. And so much new stuff keeps happening that um, you can't ever revisit it and say, okay, I I was kind of knee jerk on that, but let me, I'll take this time now. I'll take a couple of hours to read up and learn on it. It's like, no, there's something new happening now. Me Too was yesterday. Today it's uh, George Floyd. Wait, today's uh, prison abolition. Wait, today it's, um, you know, uh, sex work is real work. Today it's, uh, um, you know, should you date trans people if you're straight? No, today is this. And, you know, there's no time to revisit anything. Yeah, there's no... Yeah, it's like this, um, I feel like the the telecoms act, I feel like the real point of it outside of just monopolization was to make sure that you can inundate people and barrage them with information and overwhelm them and effectively like destroy their collective memory. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've been living through that almost 30 years now since the onset of the telecoms act was like 96, 97. So almost yeah. 30 years now. And then you saw how you had TV shows that seemed like as, as close to a public forum, but on the air as you could get. 
You know what I mean? Like where you have yeah. diverse viewpoints where you can have, you know, Khalif Muhammad and then you can have like the Grand Wizard, the KKK, and then you can see like these people not trying to find a common ground, but they're genuinely expressing their opinions and you digested that. And the yeah, audience totally. reacted genuinely to it. Now it's all these curated spaces and everyone's just trying to get eyeballs and clicks for attention and not actually, you know, not just have this kind of like convergence of, okay, getting the eyeballs, getting the attention, getting the advertiser money, but we're actually having a genuine conversation that isn't, you know, catered to a certain bubble. And it's, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, one reason I've been kind of gravitating to spaces like this and also like YouTube, like, YouTube is interesting. I don't think it's for the most noble reasons, uh, but YouTube has been, the videos have been getting longer. And I noticed Twitter people keep reading and writing articles about how long YouTube is getting, how much they hate it. And I'm like, that's good, because that means you're going to stay off of it. Because you guys came off Tumblr, and Tumblr is very micro. Tumblr is just like a quick pick, you know? Or like a three-second sex, sex gift, you know? And I feel like that type of microwave thinking from Tumblr went over to Twitter, and there's a lot of that there. And then um, um, they don't like YouTube, and they're like, uh, uh, all these video essays, and they keep bashing it and whatever. But I enjoy watching these 40, one-hour, two-hour thoughtful video essays that people are making. And it turned out the reason why they did it is some, uh, YouTube mon gives you extra props uh, the longer your runtime. Like, uh, on the algorithm, you're, you're more likely to be discovered or make more money if you have longer runtime. So then people got kind of carried away with it. And I don't think they were doing it for any noble reasons. Like, oh, I want to reclaim the attention span or whatever. But I think it's accidentally, for the wrong reason, ended up happening where people will have a video and they'll spend like five minutes just laying out the terms and what they mean that they're going to argue about and laying out a case and, and explain the sections of the video that are coming. And they'll make a very nicely organized video essays with um, tabs that allow you to jump to different parts of the argument and all this stuff. And, you know, a lot of Twitter people don't like it and they'll, they'll bash it. And, you know, they'll send articles like, Oh, this is why, YouTube is getting so bad. Like, oh yeah, I realize that's why I don't go there. I'm like, you know what? This is great. I like that you're creating a, a screen, a filter to make these people not want to go there. So one thing I've noticed is YouTube comments used to be the most toxic place on earth. They used to be horrible. You could post anything. You could post a baby crying and then laughing. And then, you know, someone will post that, that baby's a bitch. Like, wait, why? Like, why would you say that about a baby? There's no, like, people just aggro all the time. And I realized, like, on, it doesn't really happen anymore because no one would, who wants to be a bad faith asshole is really going to sit through an hour video to do it. Like, you know, uh, at the first minute or two, doesn't really have anything to jump onto to, you know, be any asshole about. Like, that's too much work. It's easy to just be a knee-jerk asshole to a, to a tweet. So, I mean, I may be speaking too quickly, but I think um, things like this forum, things like um, YouTube are um, kind of a counterforce in the right direction, but I think there's a limit 
to how far they can go. Because at the end of the day, it's still owned by Google. Uh, it's still owned by, you know, different like venture capitalists and um, political political actors. I think there's still going to need to be a better option that's going to be less fun um, to really reclaim discourse. I'm not sure what it is anymore. If anybody has an idea, I would love to know. Yeah, I would love to know, too. Uh, I really don't see it coming through. Um, I mean, these, things like this are helpful. Like, it's, I, I'm glad to know there are other people that think like me and know all that. And also, I get to hear things that I'm not privy to. And I have to actually sit with it instead of just getting things that were curated di- specifically for me or this targeted stuff that I'm constantly barraged with, like on Twitter, like all these ads. Just because, like, I look at something now, oh, Amazon yeah. will have, like, literally, like, on the side of a tab of a random website that I'm just trying to get other information about, like, hitting me with it. I, I feel like it, it's not going to come through platforms. Like, the big hit is not going to come through platforms. I feel like it's just going to be pockets of people like us. Yeah. That we're just going to eventually spill out into the public sphere. And I think whoever gonna have to, is have to happen. that ideologically is going to be, is going to take wherever we are now, either horribly deeper into this capitalist hellhole or actually give us some kind of different ideological paradigm that kind of, that actually restores community in a certain sense outside of just virtual. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And I just want to get to the next caller, uh, Brady, so we can wrap up. But thank you, Trayvon. Uh, what you said was very thoughtful. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. No problem. Uh, Steven, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Brady is supposed to be the last one in the queue. I didn't want to make you wait in the queue. And, you know, then I tell you the last minute I'm not getting to you. But, yeah, feel free to follow us if you don't follow us and join us uh, next time. Uh, okay, Brady. So, um your last up, I enjoyed some of the comments you were making in the room chat, as well as uh, Schnarf and some other ones. Uh, there were some good descriptions for um, Elon Musk's form of an intelligence. And uh, he said blatantly psychopathic behavior, which I agree. Uh, Schnarf said he knows how to navigate the circuits of life for the affluent, lie, steal, and cheat while not going to jail. He said taking advantage of a healthy empathy network. Um, and that he's the kind of person who would totally outsource to get, uh, you know, pay people to do homework and stuff like that. I think all that's very true. And, uh, yeah, feel free to unmute and uh, share your thoughts. You're going to be the last one for the night. It's on, I think it's on the bottom right if you're on the phone to unmute unless they moved it. Okay, gonna give you a little more time. Bueller. Buddy. Oh, there we go. Is that you? I thought I heard a wait, I heard a voice, but then it's still wait, can you hear me? Wait, yeah, I can hear you, but it says you're muted, but I can hear a voice. Oh <laughs> no, this is Trayvon. No, this is not Brady. I don't know why I you can still hear me. Oh, wait, wait. So uh, I hear you, Trayvon. That's so weird. Okay, so so you know what? Let me try something. Um, Brady, 
Brady, um, I'm going to remove you from the queue, come back into the queue, and see if that fixes it. It seems like this thing is having a glitch. So uh, Trayvon ended up still being heard. Uh, let me try to hang up. And yeah, try to do that as well. Maybe that'll help. Okay, now I don't see Brady in the room at all. I removed them from the queue so he can come back to the queue, but now I just don't see him, so I don't know what happened. Okay, so if he doesn't end up um, coming back in, then I uh, hope he joins us in the future. Yeah, uh, so yeah, so if you're listening to this on the re-listen or whatever, uh, Brady, yeah, we weren't able to work out. There was a weird technical difficulty. It had nothing to do with you or me. It was just... Um, or or Trayvon, it was just a glitch. But yeah, feel free to come back and call in the next time. Even if you want to talk about this topic and move on to a different topic, um, come back next time and uh, you can you can talk about Elon Musk just to get that last thought off your head. Thanks everybody for joining us. Go to youtube.com forward slash champagne sharks. Follow us on YouTube because I want to get more followers on YouTube. What I wanted to start doing in the future, and uh, we're going to do this for Q, was talk about topics ahead of time and have our own little spiel about the topics, and then we can just jump straight into the calls about the topic um, here, you know, have a follow-up thing here so that we can spend less time having to hear me and Q share our thoughts on the thing. You can just um, go straight to the callers. So follow us on YouTube.com forward slash champagne sharks or just enter champagne sharks um to find that and with that everybody have a good night if you came here for the first time and you're not following myself or the show then follow both uh so that you can uh easily find your way back here and have a good night everybody take care be good i gotta find the closing button here because i'm on a desktop i don't even know where it is Yeah. I'll just refresh. I don't even think that that even helped. Okay, one more thing.